News Hounds from Queen City Nerve is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. And welcome to episode 52 of Queen City Nerve's News Hounds podcast. And I am Ryan Pitkin. As usual, I got Justin LaFrancois with me. Mm-hmm. No smart remark today? Uh, well, today we are keeping things in the family because we brought our new hire, our new staff writer from for Queen City Nerve, and that is Nikolai Mather. What's, hey, y'all. What's going on? Not much. You've been with us for about, I mean, you've written for us in the past, mm-hmm. but you've been with us on a staff writer basis, regular writing articles every week uh, for what, about a month now? About a month, month I would say, yeah. Just shy of it. Yeah. Freelancing well before that, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why don't you give us a rundown of how, well, we met when I wrote a story about you as a freshman in college, right? I oh think my you were God. still a freshman. Yeah. Pretty sure. You were a freshman <laughs> at UNC Charlotte putting together forming, launching, founding, however you want to say it, the LGBTQ Student Union? More or less, yeah. Um, and and that's how we met, but you had an interest in journalism. Tell me about how you made it to Charlotte, how you became interested in journalism, all that fun stuff. Who the hell are you? Yeah, where'd you come from? First of all, multifaceted. Second of all, humble. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I came to UNC Charlotte to major in political science. And while I was there, you know, I'd been involved in activism since I was in high school, as you're wont to do as like a trans kid growing up in a rural area. And, you know, I did a lot of work with LGBTQ folks on UNC Charlotte's campus. I did a little bit of work outside of the city as well. But what I really fell for was like journalism. And as a lot of people in the South have put it, movement journalism, you know, specifically talking about the systems of oppression that affect us and impact our everyday life and telling those stories, making sure those stories get heard. Right. And that's sort of what we want to zero in on today, although we have a broad talk about all sorts of things. But you recently wrote a news feature that is on our website now, QCNerve.com, and was in our latest paper that we just dropped off this week about CMS gender support plans. This is nothing new. This just came to our attention as something. Justin has a co-worker who's a parent of a trans kid, trans student, and we just sort of were like, I don't think a lot of people know about this. And, and they don't at right. all because you Google it and nothing shows up. Yeah. There's no, there's no, there's no outside information from it. Right. And that's it. sort of what I want to talk about as long as, as well as just the broader, you know, we're in, so my understanding, I just keep seeing, I was not even aware and the story was not scheduled that way, but it happened to happen in the same week of trans day of remembrance. And I believe it's trans awareness week mm-hmm. in Transville visibility month. Is that right? I'm not sure th- about trans visibility month. I but saw that is, one today on Twitter for the they, first time. Sh- they're always making up holidays on Twitter, <laughs> honestly, but I do know trans day of remembrance. That's been something that's been going on for decades, honestly, right. on November 20th. So yeah. it would follow that they have a week now. Right. Um, this is the first time I've seen it though. Yeah. You almost said Transville. But let's start by just chatting about this gender support plan. Cause I found it very interesting in the, in the story. It went sort of a different direction than I expected because you met a man who works at CMS who has just been sort of busting his ass to like. Well, hold on. Really let me tell you. Buttons. Let me tell you how it even came to my attention because mm-hmm. we were just talking. My friend was enrolling their kid in a new school closer to where they live now, and I believe they came from a CMS school and then moved to this one. But she walked in there, and if you know her, then this is probably exactly how it went. But she <laughs> walked in there and was like, "Listen up, you motherfuckers! Like." Here's, here's who my kid is and here's how you're going to talk to him and, and this, this and that. And if you have any questions about them and, and how they want to be addressed or educated or be educated, blah, 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 you can just ask them and they'll tell you yada, yada. And she went in there like fucking just ready to beat some ass because <laughs> it's basically the same shit that, sh- that they had dealt with uh, coming from their other school. And they were like, well, hey, we have this whole gender support plan that will outline like how students and teachers interact with your child. And she just had like no idea about it whatsoever. And they were very um, helpful through the whole process, putting it together and making sure that all the teachers were updated on it and, and everything. And so she just thought it was really cool and brought it up to me and sent me the form and stuff. And then so I passed it on to you to pass it on. Pass it on. <laughs> to pass it on. I think you pass it on to me, then to Carrie, Carrie back to me, to Nikolai. Yeah. But let's just do a quick rundown for those who don't know of like the specifics of what really entails, what makes up a gender support plan, what 
what goes into it that's mm-hmm. helpful? I mean, how does it help? So the great thing about a gender support plan is it is so open-ended, right? Mm-hmm. It's basically Haley Rimmer, who works at Time Out Youth and works primarily with young kids there to get these gender support plans like plotted out. She says like they're basically living documents, right? So these children will like, or I shouldn't say children because high schoolers do it too. Like every level of school does it. They will basically approach the administration and say, hey, I want to go by this name. I want to go by these pronouns. I want these people to know and these people to not know. And this is how y'all can support me. And that's basically what the plan seeks to track. It also seeks to track like which restrooms are you most comfortable using? Which locker rooms are you most comfortable using? Do we need to make accommodations for you to use a gender neutral restroom in the time being? That sort of thing. So it really is just about like it's really an individualized process for trans kids and trans young people to like best support them in their needs. Right. And how you spoke with um one trans student for this article and their parent. What ways did you, I mean, you have lived experience in this. You grew up in a rural town oh, yeah. in North Carolina. <laughs> so, I mean, how how differently, I just completely changed question, mid-question, but just sort of, I just, I'm, I'm curious as to like, when we spoke about this article from the get-go and I told you to sort of look into it and suggested that you might, you know, I want someone with lived experience to, who knows what this was like to really dig into this and see how it changes folks' education or experience, I guess would be the better way to put it in school. What, how would this, have, looking into it and writing this story and reporting, how would, do you feel like it would have changed your experience if you were able to have that sort of guideline document well what stood like stood out to me the most about josephine's story was the fact that it was so uniquely tailored to her and her needs Mm -hmm. right and like that she had a whole system of support behind her and they were all rooting for her individually like yes it's definitely done to like overall improve the lives of trans people in these schools but they also like in completing these gender support plans they also recognize that trans people are not a monolith right and I think that's really important because being trans, I mean, shoot, even five years ago, even just 10 years ago, is completely different than, you know, growing up trans now. And I think it's really important to recognize how things are changing and also how young people see themselves. I think that would have been really wonderful when I was a kid. One similarity I did kind of recognize from talking to Josephine, at least, is her frustration that she kind of had to spearhead this whole thing that like, you know, her therapist did share it with her, but it was like her private therapist who had experience with CMS and her and their mom, they were just super, they really wanted like someone from the campus to actually reach out to them and say, hey, we noticed that your child has started using she, they pronouns. We noticed that, you know, these things have been happening with her. How can we support you? They felt frustrated that they had to initiate everything. And that was definitely a frustration that I shared when I was trans, like a trans young person, or at least a trans high schooler. Still a young person, thankfully. But (laughs) no, yeah, like I, me and my friends, we had to draw proposals to try and get gender neutral restrooms. We had to like physically defend ourselves in a lot of cases, like definitely, you know, verbally defend ourselves in a lot of cases. We had to like start our own gay straight alliances. I think it's frustrating that a lot of trans kids are kind of just left to their own devices in a lot of cases. And there's got to be a way to strike a balance between like you lead your own destiny for lack of a better word like you choose your own like path to self-sufficiency independence and support there's got to be a line between that and y'all can just do whatever you want and fight on your own you know what i mean absolutely so and that sort of continued into college right oh yeah from my memory of when i met you and that's what sort of got you were like i I did this in high school already and i'm ready to fight into college (laughs) and that's what sort of found what got you started on the uh student union thing was you were still sort of felt just sort of left on your own yeah i think like college was honestly a little bit better just because there was far more institutional support i will always 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 shout out Josh Burford, who worked as the assistant director of sexual and gender diversity at UNC Charlotte for like, I think only for my freshman year. And then he ended up leaving to do some archival work further south. But he never bullshitted me about the administration. He was always straight up. And even though he like felt that he had limitations as a cis man, he was like, this is how I'm going to help you. This is how I'm going to make sure that you're safe and you're supported, you know. So 
But I will say also like something that really frustrated me about starting the LGBTQ center about creating the Lavender Lounge was just eventually how I it don't was think kind you of, had that name yet when I interviewed oh, you. Oh no. That's great. No, no. That was, <laughs> we had to have the alliteration. Right. We had to have, we had to have it. But something that was really frustrating, at least for me, was just kind of how hard we fought and how much time we spent on that only for the administration to kind of co-opt it and be like, oh, we always wanted this. We've uh, always wanted to do this. Like I remember right. in the commencement speech for, I believe my sophomore year, so maybe 2018, Chancellor Dubois at the time was like, oh, we just opened the center. Isn't that great that we did this? And it's like, y'all didn't do shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we had to propose everything, you Telling know? Telling donors and shit. Ugh, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, do bitch. <laughs> nice. Nice. Got um, him. I had to say something. On the, on the going back to the gender support plan itself, though, you met uh, and spoke with man John John Councilman. That's mm-hmm. how you say it, I believe. I think it's Councilman. Councilman. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And he was he wanted to be here tonight. He actually had some fan, plans with family, but um, he works as CMS bully and LGBTQ support manager. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, supports bullies. Yes, <laughs> he loves. <laughs> he's just like, do you need anything? <laughs> There's a locker open. You right. he, takes, he takes lunch money from people, so they go. To take it from someone <laughs> it's a domino effect uh, but he's been working for years if not I mean, I guess I would say specifically towards a gender support plan, the way that he's sort of approached things. He's been doing this since 2003 when it really wasn't much of a dialogue happening in general. Tell me about sort of just how you got connected with him and, and started, began to learn. I mean, I assume you just said, who do I speak to? And they're like, here's our guy. But he's really been doing it by himself for a long time. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I, that's just kind of what Time Out Youth does too, is right. when you like, hey, I need some resources. They're like, what do you want? What can mm-hmm. we give you? You know, And that's exactly what Haley did. She said, this guy is a great person to talk to about this. Um, oh, so Haley at Time Out Youth is who connected you. Yeah, gotcha. she connected us. And talking to him, I just got kind of a sense of awe at like the commitment that these people show, you know? Like he's been working since what, 1997, I believe? Don't quote he's me He's been on in that. his possession since 2003, but I don't yeah. know how long he's been with CMS. He's been with CMS for mm-hmm. like, well, like longer than I've been alive, you know? And <laughs> he has worked so hard and so incrementally to make sure that gay and trans students feel safe in their schools, you know? And that started out with just, you know, focus groups with, uh, I believe, a former attorney general in North Carolina who was a lesbian. It started out with that. And then from those focus groups, they got information about what students needed at Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. From there, like he started talking about name changes and he started talking about like individual gender support plans for trans kindergartners and things like that. And I'm sorry, I don't mean kindergartners, elementary schoolers. He just really worked his ass off (laughs) to make sure that these kids felt safe. And it took time, you know, he's doing the work of two people Mm -hmm. right now, but it's something that he's really committed to. And I find that fascinating and really wonderful. Yeah, what I was sort of in, in, interested in, inspired by, whatever you want to say it, was his, he was just open about the fact that, yeah, I used to change the paperwork on everybody's stuff. Every year. Every year, and every, all like 150 or however many per yeah, year. right at the end of the year, he'd go change it. <laughs> he'd change it back. So what he's saying is, for you listening, is for state records and school records and stuff, you have to have the name that's on the birth certificate of a child. Mm-hmm. So he would change their names internally in the system to make sure they were addressed correctly d- throughout the school year to what they wanted their name to be. And then at the end of the school year, he'd go back and change them all back to their legal names mm-hmm. or birth birth certificate names so yeah. that the, all the records would be correct. Because right. otherwise, you're tra- what, your transcripts would just be like have a huge fucking hole in them or something? Yeah, or, or he would just be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Somebody. But, uh, so, so, and that's that was crazy part to read, too. Right. It's just like, holy shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that also means like how many times how many students per school would you say I guess I, I think it I'm ended sh- up being like a couple hundred per school every single or not even per school like a couple hundred couple that hundred he would change every single year CMS yeah yeah Still a lot yeah that's so much <laughs> a lot to keep up with yeah what's really incredible to me is like I don't know sometimes what's really frustrating about you know the fight for trans liberation is it's mostly just us right it's mostly just trans and non-binary people speaking to the choir having the same people show up to the same vigils and memorials and so on and, you know, feeling kind of stuck. And a lot of times, like, the people who are most visible in this, like, realm of activism are cis people, are, like, cis white gay men. And to meet this cis guy who was like, yeah, I've been putting my neck out for these trans kids every single year for such a long time, that was really moving for me personally. Mm -hmm. I don't know. 
Yeah, definitely. Because I'm reading it thinking like, oh, are we centering this guy? And then I'm like, but really, he's been he's been killing it. <laughs> and he's not he's not one of those, like you said, people who wants all the credit. Like once you got to talk to him, he certainly seemed open. And I got in touch with him to, just to do behind the pictures and stuff. And he was super open and, and accommodating for anything. But he wasn't one of these like, Everyone listen to what I've been doing as an ally. Careerist, yeah. Well I, well, I think it's pretty, I think it's blatantly obvious that he's never been that guy because right. otherwise we wouldn't have been the first ones <laughs> to write a story We would have known him in the last 20 years. Yeah, nobody, so he's obviously not that guy. He right. just understands that it's an important thing to be done. And I'm sure that while he was putting it together, there's plenty of pushback over the years of why does this matter? Mm-hmm. So good on him. Absolutely. Right. And you used to work or volunteer with Time Out Youth, right? Yeah, I used, I had an internship there in summer 2018 I believe because they're doing this on a broader scale where Haley Rimmer is it yeah uh, that you talked to for this specific story not only works with John and CMS folks but 13 other area schools 14 other counties 14 and 17 uh, districts yeah wow like that's crazy yeah it's really crazy and the fact that they coordinate all these different gender support plans that are all varying and all have different degrees of like power is just mm-hmm. Jesus, like take a break, (laughs) you know? I've always been very just, I've covered Time Out Youth in the past and it's been a while since I've been there. I actually haven't even attended or been to their new facility. So it's been like a couple of years. Right, I used to be there all the time. I love that place. I'm doing an event with them, so I'm good. (laughs) Um, Justin has the woke points for this conversation. (laughs) But I mean, just so that people know who aren't familiar with Time Out Youth because they do so much important work, give us a glimpse at like what the day-to-day is like there because like you said, even with Haley's work specifically goes in so many different directions, but the the actual things that they are involved in and have their feet in is almost like we could talk forever just about Literally. that alone. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, Time Out Youth is like, I would say just a wholly singular like institution right, <laughs> in the force. Carolinas. Like there's so much that they do. I could like just sum it up as like an LGBTQ youth center, but they really are kind of a beacon for queer and trans rights throughout the Carolinas. Like they do trainings, they do corporate seminars, they like provide services to homeless youth, like literally any service that you can think of, laundry, food, finding a place to stay, finding like a transportation pass, all of it. They like take care of their kids that way. They do a lot of programming, they have support groups. It's just a really tight knit community, honestly. I felt really, really lucky to be able to actually witness that at my internship and like still keep in touch with a lot of the folks that I used to work with over there and a lot of the youth that I mentored at that time. Yeah, it's a really wonderful organization. Yeah, I like having just the energy over there was always high. And I went there to shoot a cover photo one time. I think the person who's running it now, been there a long time. Sarah Not McCall? Rodney. No, she just oh. started, the executive director. Oh, okay. You're talking about the old one, Rodney? Not Rodney. It was He was uh, interim in between Rodney and Sarah. O'Neill. O'Neill Atkinson, yeah. yeah. And he was like, you know, this, be ready if somebody doesn't want their picture taken. I was like, yeah, I, I, I've done sort of similar stories and I right. get it. Like, no, I don't have to take anyone's picture. And I come in there and they're like, come in and they're just like swarming me, like, take my <laughs> picture now. Like, let's get, they had like props and stuff, like oh. those wedding things. But yeah, the energy there was amazing. But now, I don't, I think you might have just mentioned in this in passing, but the new facility is also a shelter, right? I actually haven't followed that too closely, okay. but yeah, that, I that was so. the they've goal been talking and they about were, that. Yeah, building it up. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it will always stick with me as sort of like a, a realization as just a straight white cis guy who, you know, as much as I was not involved, but knowledgeable or, or knew about LGBT rights and this and that, I was sort of like struck by my first time at Time Out Youth and really sitting down and getting the personal stories from folks who were disowned by their families and like yeah. the young people who like, you know, you hear opponents who are like, this is a, this is already just a bullshit statement in general, but they're, they'll try to use the talking point of like, well, nowadays LGBT people have all their rights and they're just mm-hmm. trying to push for more and control of everything and, blah, 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 and it's bullshit in general. But it's the fact that young people are still getting kicked out of home kicked out of their home for coming out um, on a more regular basis than people imagine, regardless of what rights folks who are comfortable enough to come out have or don't have. That's, that's a real thing and it's not stopped. And like speaking to people who actually had been kicked out and had nowhere to go other than timeout youth is when it sort of struck me how important that work is beyond your average nonprofit you talk to on a normal basis. Absolutely. It's just like, and you know, the thing that angers me too about a lot of that rhetoric of like, Oh, we've made it in terms of LGBT, 
LGBTQ rights, or honestly, just like the general rhetoric we see about trans kids nowadays, which is they are a menace, they are a threat, they need to be contained, is when you actually sit down with these trans kids, they are living on the margins of society. Like, even if you look at them and you're like, oh, that's just like a blue haired kid, you know, who uses they, them pronouns, that person might be like sleeping in their car. They could have like lost several friends to suicide. You know, there are so many intersecting forces at play with like growing up trans specifically in North Carolina too, because our political culture is still reeling from HB2. And so That's I don't know. That's what pisses me off. I was thinking about this last night, how <laughs> yeah. the Republicans have now like come, at least the more localized ones, uh, the mm-hmm. Republicans locally have come out and been like, we're the ones behind this new non-discrimination ordinance. And this is our movement now, like the Tariq Bakaris and the log cabin Republicans. And it's just mm-hmm. like, we don't forget HB2. Like, go oh. say that to your state, to your fellow state Republicans. See how they feel about it, how public they are about it, because they don't feel that way either. Mm-hmm. And they're just trying to co-opt that thing because they think it gets some political points. But it pisses me off. Yeah, it's really, I think, honestly, that's why centers like Time Out Youth are so important, specifically youth centers, you know, because the political establishment already, like, makes trans kids to be like makes them into adults, essentially treats them like adult monsters and having a place where you can just chill and be a kid, be a young person, draw on some construction paper, play Mario Kart with your friends. Like that is like, I feel more significant than people realize having that escape and allowing yourself to be a child. Right. Yeah. Knowing now it's become a cliche that's almost used uh, despairingly, but fuck that. But having a safe (laughs) space is important because you know that you can go somewhere and not, and you're just with your people. Well, yeah, that's what Haley was telling me. Like, Mm -hmm. She, they said, like, I know this is pretty cliche, but these kids need a safe space. And yes, it is cliche. Like when you're an adult, you can't really expect a lot of safe spaces out in the world. When you're trans, you're not going to find a lot of safe spaces, period, no matter what. But when you're a kid, you need to hear like you are valid, you are loved, you are all these things and can be more because so often the overarching message is we don't want you here. Right. You know, so, yeah. And how do you feel uh, beyond timeout youth, the culture, the society, whatever in sh- here in Charlotte is, because I saw you tweeting about, and you weren't even like making a, a, a big deal about it, but you were just sort of asking throughout this week about Trans Day of Remembrance. <laughs> Where are the Trans Day of Remembrance events? Uh, because you wanted to attend one. And for those who don't know, Trans Day of Remembrance is, as it sounds, a day to come together, remember anyone killed, I assume also abused or anything victims of violence due to being trans. We've had two murders in the last year since the last Trans Day of Remembrance mm-hmm. uh, here in Charlotte specifically who were targeted specifically for that reason. By a serial killer. Right. Yeah. And so that's like, you know, that was actually one of the first days that I really started making connections in the in the trans community with Laura who used to live here in Charlotte and, mm-hmm. and through Trans Day of Remembrance events and covering those. But just, I, I basically just word vomit to get back to you looking <laughs> for Trans Day of Remembrance events and just wondering like how you feel like on a broader level not just this week or Saturday. As far as, you know, we're five years out from HP2. We've had this non-discrimination ordinance passed and city leaders like to tout that around. Mm. But do you feel like there's progress being made just in terms of access, not accessibility, but just being able to go about your day Mm. or live or be respected or... Shoot. (laughs) I mean... The deep life questions. Oh, yeah. God. Let me gaze into the abyss for a second. (laughs) I was writing about this in Friday's newsletter. Actually, I was just drafting it before I came in. And I was saying that T-Door always makes me feel stuck. And it's not because I'm dwelling on the deaths of my friends or like people that I came to know in my community, but it's more so that I'm dwelling on the things that killed them, you know, like homelessness, suicide, loneliness, survival sex work. These are all things that, you know, we've had to interact with and that we have been struggling with literally like for ever, (laughs) like since the dawn of time. And I hesitate to say anything along the lines of like, it's getting better because every time someone is like, oh, this is the trans tipping point. Like we've finally done it. We've achieved peak visibility and peak violence freeness, you know, like something, some bullshit happens. And I think it's really important to like you were talking about earlier, like where people are kind of like, okay, we're content with where LGBTQ rights are at. I feel like it's very, very, very imperative to never settle and to always keep pushing because the fact of the matter is there will always be trans people in need so long as we're present in this system of capitalism, transphobia, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Like, you know, so for me, 
I think that I would say no comment to that. (laughs) But longer version would basically just be, I think that there is a long road ahead and TDOR is a great way to remember those that we have lost and remember why it's important to keep moving. Mm -hmm. I guess a better way to even word the question was, do you feel community support here? I mean, I think so, honestly, like I do have a pretty nice, tight knit community mm-hmm. of trans people here in Charlotte. Um, and I don't want to sound like you are speaking for every trans oh, person no. in Charlotte. I, I'm no, well I aware know. I'm talking to one person. So I just want to make that clear. But just yeah. in general, I got my folks, which is important. I think mm-hmm. it's really like important also to recognize that like there is a trans community of sorts in Charlotte. But what I've always found most important is finding people through not through like activism or through like work. Or anything like that. Like just finding friends that I enjoy hanging out with and can actually be emotionally vulnerable with. I feel a lot of support there. I feel like it's pretty easy to find trans people in Charlotte if you just know who to talk to. Something that I do like miss though is like going back home and being around trans friends that I grew up with because like you get a varying degree of experiences here in Charlotte with transphobia. Like some people are like, oh, I was thrown out when I was 17 years old. Or they're like, oh, my parents have always supported me and paid for my entire transition, you know, and finding people who have kind of been through a similar experience to me in like the rural South has been really wonderful. I'm really glad that I've stayed in touch with those people. So I would say that I feel pretty supported in my specific group of friends in regards to like political stuff and social justice stuff. Again, I never settle. So right. right, right. So you guys both have events coming up that are relevant to this <laughs> that we can plug, but do you are you having a public event or are you just getting together with friends for TDR? I mean, people can come if they want. <laughs> they can DM me for the address. Uh, my Twitter is NT Mayfair. And it's just literally like at I know that QCnerve.com. At QCnerve.com too. <laughs> That's not a Twitter handle. Oh, you're right. Also yeah. my and email is N Mayfair. So you do say it Mather? Damn it. <laughs> I said Mather at the we'll beginning of this. We'll have this conversation never... later. But right. no, yeah, it's basically just a bonfire with me and some like trans folks. It's going to be trans only. And I figured like, I know that Charlotte Pride is doing some sort of, you know, online memorial at 2 p.m. But I really like, I got my booster shot. I really just need to be around some trans people uh, yeah. for a little while. The yeah. online shit's getting a little old. Guys. I can't do it. We're all fucking... We all know who got their vaccine. Just go hang out. It'll <laughs> be okay. Go. Yeah. I haven't since since the mask thing's been in effect since August. I don't know a single person that has gotten COVID. Me, I don't know them. Oh, I do. Mm. Oh, except for my sister and my nephews, but they're all unvaccinated and live in a different city. Oh, but I mean, like <laughs> nobody that I, like right before the mask mandate went to effect, like six people I knew who all were vaccinated got COVID, and it was Shit. just like it was just like, oh fuck, here we go. And then uh, now it's just not happening. So let's just chill. Let's I just, know three breakthrough uh, play cases outside. that happened this week. Uh, they'll be all right. Yeah. Well, they'll none be, of them are sick. So yeah, because like, they'll be all right. But yeah, I'm getting that booster. Good um, plan. Good plan. <clears throat> and and then, then also, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna introduce Justin, what? but oh, if you yeah. want to do oh, it, I'm right here. Yeah, <laughs> Justin can introduce it. He knows what we're talking about. Or are we talking about my gay Thanksgiving? Yeah, so I do this thing. It's called Eat Gay Love. It's a Thanksgiving dinner. It's inclusive. Y'all should come. (laughs) (laughs) It's for for everybody and everything. Third annual LGBTQ inclusive Thanksgiving dinner that I do with my gay friend, Brian. I introduce him like that because I'm the straight half of the Eat Gay Love event. (laughs) We just do it at uh, whatever bar he's working at at the time. Mm. So the first year was single barrel room. Second year is single barrel room. This year it's at Billy Sunday. And uh, all the food is donated and all of our financial donations go to Block Love CLT at the end of the day when they come pick up all the leftovers that we box up so that they can distribute them to community members experiencing homelessness around the city in the county because they don't do anything in Uptown on the day of Thanksgiving because that's where everybody else is doing it because they think that homeless people only live in Uptown. Right. So Deb goes out of her way. I was just watching her live video last night of her um, Feed the Streets event where they're trying to do a thousand meals where her and her team are just going to distribute them to all the encampments and shelters around the county and they're actually not they're not setting up on the block Mm. I think for the whole week Actually, from Saturday to Thanksgiving Day, they're not setting up because that's just when everybody's out there. So what we do is you just register for free so that I know that you're showing up and you come and you eat and you listen to live music by Ryan Lockhart and you play some games and you get some dessert and you get full fucking plates of as much food as you want. And you get to be around a community family, a chosen family. We all have a good time. You can drink if you're of age. You got to have your vaccine card or a negative COVID test and wear your mask because
because as much as I don't want to do it and I say, come on, I wear progressive paper. I don't want to get, I don't want to get shit handed on the fucking <laughs> you <gotta> mask up <laughs> the <inside>. internet. <laughs> I got a like I do, right? like I do to everybody. I don't want people to do that to me. <laughs> so um. I'm too fragile for that, but it's our third annual. It's just something that me and Brian love to do each year. You know, there's so many people like we were talking about that still to this day are just disowned by their family and they don't have a place to go or a safe place to be or anything like that. So we just open it up to them and we just do it under the guise of Queen City Nerf and Billy Sunday, but really it's just Justin Bryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and we have a great fucking time doing it. My mom, if you're listening to this, I don't know how many times I have to tell you, do not ask me again. There <laughs> is no time on that day for me to come have Thanksgiving dinner with you and Bethany. We'll have to have it the next day. <laughs> I'll come. Doesn't matter if we do it early or late. I will be fucking busy. I'll be there. You're going to three. You're going, going to two, to two already. already. And I got to go bowling after. It's Where's oh hers? God. Where do you have to go for her? Oh, from like North Charlotte. It's not far from my parents. Oh, yeah. So then, you, like, and then you'll have to go all the way to all Indianapolis <laughs> for the oh, third. Geez. And you're going bowling? Yes. Bitch with who? It's Christine's family. It's a tradition. Oh, I'm coming. Man, I with my back injury, I'm like doing all the stretches right now. I'll I'm play. I'll do one week left. I'll do all of you V me. And I'm looking forward to it. Christine already told me, I mean, always told me when we started dating that her parents love bowling. She hates it. But I was just like, take me. So now I finally get the chance. I got it sounds my like a bowling. Disney Channel movie. I like <laughs> parents are so passionate. She's like, no, Dad, I can't bowl. I don't find this fun. <laughs> I've got my ball in the car. Nice. Uh, right uh, now. No. Oh yeah. Damn, oh yeah. I've never Jeez. seen that in there. I it's right behind your seat. I don't <laughs> fuck around when it comes to bowling. And it's because I went bowling last month and I thought it was gonna be this like reoccurring thing because I will not go bowling without my ball. I won't do it. That's just stupid. <laughs> That's how I win my disc golf. I can't go yeah. with someone else's stuff. A real bowler doesn't bowl without their own ball. Why the hell would you have a ball if you're not gonna <laughs> bowl with it? Wow, that's a proverb. But it's actually my mom's ball, and I got the holes plugged and then re-drilled to fit my hand. Justin. Wow. <laughs> the holes got into it. And I've had it since uh, I've been bowling with that ball since before I was even double digits in age. Wow. It's also 16 pounds. It's not like a, it's not a baby ball. Oh, but I used to push it down that fucking yeah. thing. <laughs> oh, nice. Wow. Uh, do you still use that? No. <laughs> That'd be fucking hilarious. Um, no, now it's so heavy and my back is so out of alignment that when I go fucking bowling, it feels like my knee is about to rip through yeah, my skin. That's what I'm a little worried about. I've been dealing with back pain and it's just now getting better. And I'm like, because you won't go to the chiropractor. You well, think it's witch. See. You think we're it's witch see. stuff, which oh, it's uh, all a <laughs> bunch of hocus pocus. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so let's talk about some local news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So if you want more information on Eat Gay Love, just Google it like a fucking adult and you'll find it. Yeah. If and you want more information on Tidor, just follow me on Twitter. Yeah. If you don't want more information, you should follow me anyway. Yes. <laughs> uh, and if you want to drop a, an ad break in here, Brian or Taylor or uh, I want to call him Alonzo. <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy. Drop that ad break. Carolina personalized orthopedic care goes beyond my appointment. Accessible, comprehensive, and compassionate. It's my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. Get ready. Broadway is returning to Charlotte. Blumenthal Performing Arts has an incredible selection of upcoming hits, including the returns of Hamilton and Wicked. Plus, the long-awaited Charlotte debut of Disney's Frozen and many more fan-favorite musicals and plays. Season tickets are on sale now at BlumenthalArts.org slash Broadway. Wash your hands, avoid sick people, and touching your face. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Visit CDC.gov COVID-19. Brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care doesn't have to wait because after hours, urgent care knows accidents happen. Ortho Carolina, my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. And talking about, uh, we've had a newsy little week. Stuff that we've. Cool. Uh, well, just some Us. of the stuff, yeah, between um, the... Oh, you didn't... Yeah. 
the picture is still in the newsletter, but I was thinking that it was going to be in tomorrow's newsletter. Is in Wednesdays about the protest. I mean, about the yeah, the abortion protest. Yeah, still ongoing. Something that we've been covering for since before we considered nerve was a thing. Also, the uh, Justin got someone arrested. <laughs> <Stitch. laughs> uh uh-uh. <laughs> so Yeah, fuck that guy. What? He's lucky I didn't kick his door in and beat his fucking ass. Why don't we start that? with that story because it's very interesting and that yeah. wasn't on your Twitter, was it? Hell yeah, yeah. it was. Oh. It was a story he wrote I about turn a sexual on post predator. Notifications for you. He was <laughs> out there. He was out there jerking off in the fucking neighborhood to women for over a year. So he was in. Yeah, I was at a concert and I got mm-hmm. a phone call. And I'll leave it at that. I went outside and took it. I'll leave it at that. I continue the story. Well, I meant I was there was. And so moving on, I got a phone call. I took it and it was just about like this guy had just been exposing himself to women walking on the streets of Windsor Park since March of 2020. Seven reported incidents. I think there were like two incidents just in that phone call. And then through an investigation and talking to community members, there ended up being like seven or eight instances. All of them with 911 calls for service, uh, generally. I think there was like maybe one or two that didn't. Problem being that nobody who dialed 911 requested a callback or to meet with officers when they arrived on the scene. Because these are sexual assaults. Like, that's what they are. And so we all know how a sexual assault goes. Generally, the person reporting doesn't want to be identified. They don't want to stick around. They don't want to talk to police. They don't want to be fucking... Re-traumatized. Yeah, that. They don't want, you know, the whole, you know, trying to prove that you were actually sexually assaulted through all the fucking disingenuous questions and things and, and whatnot. So just 911 calls were made. And then so talking to more people, like some of them were stalking and harassment allegations they were making and then a lot of them were indecent exposures uh even a detailed account from one of the victims of when she was walking by a blind corner and he was crouched down waiting for her and when she walked around the corner he started walking back to his car and then pulled out his penis and started masturbating and and my favorite part and we laughed about this together which is why i'm gonna laugh about it now he waved at her (laughs) just like with with his dick in one hand and is definitely just cutting the air with the other one troubled yeah so and then another of him like and this is the one that fucking got me so we'll get to the point of the story but the one that got me was the time that a woman had recalled that she walked by his house so i've been to his house twice mm-hmm. three four five times i've been to his house just driving by trying to confirm that the car was there often enough to be like he lives here she walked by his house and he was just standing naked in the doorway with his dick in his hand and when she was walking uh. by he, he came outside and started walking toward her and just like stood in his yard naked and she called nine one one, and nothing nothing had ever happened essentially. So that's why I started working on the story. And then there was an incident at the Evergreen Nature Preserve in Sheffield Park where the same make, model, car, same license plate number, and same description of the person exposed himself to women who were exercising on the Mm -hmm. trails. I talked to a witness from the Evergreen incident and they confirmed the license plate, make, model, of the car, suspect description, and all that. And that was kind of when CMPD started paying attention to it and and called back at least one person who had called 911 to report one of these incidents. Um, And then there were a bunch of emails back and forth between community members and CMPD trying to get more information on the investigation and trying to get in contact with the person who was assigned to investigate the case and an entire week went by after the first police report was filed before somebody was brought in for a lineup. But uh, on my first day of investigating, I would have been able to knock on his door and pull him outside and have four or five different eyewitnesses be able to identify him to where a charge could have been pressed against him. They waited a whole week. And a lot of the emails back to community members were very abrasive, mildly threatening. Definitely, I, I wouldn't say that they were trying to diminish the, the seriousness of it. But they were definitely brushing it off. And it always kills me the language that they have to put it in. This was at the top of the email I read from the Eastway Division community officer, whatever you call it, where he makes the first statement is, and just be aware that if you are fabricating these statements, you will be held legally accountable for doing that. And it's like, when you, when you lead with that, even if you legally have to say what you don't, but even if like, you know, that's just policy to say that, which is bullshit. You don't lead with that. You're already starting, you're already starting out from a doubtful foot. And like, Mm -hmm. did you learn nothing from she says? One thing I completely left out of the whole story was when the cop in the recorded phone call tried to tell the community member that was, that was talking to him. Well, this is how some of the most vicious serial killers start out. <laughs> By the way, I'm going on vacation tomorrow oh through November God. 24th. Like, Ain't that just the way? Who the fuck? 
Why would you ever say that to somebody who's calling you with a fear and a concern about what's going on, knowing that you're not doing anything about it, and then saying, oh, shit, that could be a serial killer. Be a serial killer. <laughs> you're well, a dumb. Mexico f- is nice this time of year. If you ever hear this, Officer Luke Poplin, you're a piece <laughs> of shit, in my fucking opinion. <laughs> You had so many phone calls and emails with these people. You said that dumb shit. You just let this go and went on your little fucking vacation. And you knew before everybody else did. And you didn't do anything to hurry this along. So, so fuck you. Fuck you. So then after our story went to print or pub went to online. Yeah. The story published. There may have been some something or other where I already knew who somebody was. Like I had his name and his picture and all this. Right. We had him identified, but. So did the police. So well, well, we didn't. Oh, well, no, not me yeah. and you. I mean, the paper. I mean, well, either way. So they arrested him yesterday, Wednesday. Right. And I missed it. You had such a dramatic story. I missed it by minutes. No. I literally, as soon as I pulled into the neighborhood to to roll up on the police outside of his house, Mm -hmm. like somebody sent me a video of it as I was pulling into the neighborhood. God. By the time I got to his house, they were gone. Wow. Because they because the person that sent me the video was like, I was I was too scared to get out. And I was like, oh, I was gonna fucking just hop out of my car before I got in the park and be like, <laughs> Is it him? Did you know if he ran or struggled with I don't him or know anything. Because the person took the video, he took a screenshot from the video and sent it to me. I thought it was a picture at first that he took whatever. Oh, when they were like bent over yeah. look like they were out of breath. There's one of the guys specifically, <laughs> like, you do not make that pose unless you just got done running. Like, I think he was I think he was just chilling. Yeah, or he's looking for something in the grass. Do you think he waved? <laughs> but so he got a he got charged with one count of indecent exposure and then one count of violating a local ordinance. So I don't know if they're going to try and pile some more on because I have accounts for three more indecent exposure charges. But as it says in the story, the community members want enough to be put on him to where he has to be registered as a sex offender. Because if this has been going on for eight reported accounts over a year and a half, then that means that it's probably happened hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. And, and he if also- he got in his car and drove to Sheffield Park to do it then that means that it could have happened hundreds of times all over the city mm. and he also did you mention lives like a block from windsor and park elementary um and he wouldn't be able to live there anymore yeah so he it's not even a block it's the block <laughs> he lives that close to windsor park elementary school so yeah if he had to register as a sex offender then he would have to move out and uh if you want to play with your dick just do it inside right you and louis ck <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the other story we wrote, we published this week about the uh, the ongoing, never-ending, and always intensifying, it seems, protests happening outside of a preferred women's health center in East Charlotte on the Trobe Drive. Never fucking ending. Never ending. Never fucking no. ending. Did so, y'all, by the way, actually, side note, did y'all see that, like, banner plane out in Plaza Midwood no, yesterday? No, I saw you tweet about it. Yeah. What, what did it say? It said, overturn abortion now, and it had a picture of, a like, picture? a bloody fetus. Yeah. Ugh. I saw Those that. Pictures and I was are like, so often animals. <laughs> like, <laughs> like whenever you see them at protests. I remember that time I asked, uh, what was his name? Da- Daniel Parks. Daniel yep. Parks. Yeah, for Cities for Life. I wanted, uh, I wanted the little pamphlet he was having because I was like, "Do you mind if I take that and fact check it?" Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't <laughs> give it to me because it had this girl's cell phone number on the back of it. You know, like they hand them out, so it's like, "Call me, so I can oh, save yeah. your life and save yeah. your baby's life, and I'll, I'll impregnate yeah. you with Jesus." So they can find. So I, I just, I just took it and ripped that off, and I was like, "Can I have it now?" And he was like, "Oh, gay us." <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember when I wrote the one big cover story that was like one of the first ones I wrote about them back at loafing. A bunch of people were like, well, why didn't you tell both sides? You don't have anything from the uh, protesters with, cause this is love life. It wasn't even cities for life. Oh, they won't talk. Well that, but they were talking at that point and everyone I talked to just said the most off the wall shit, <laughs> which I guess I could have reported and then fact checked and, and uh, debunked. But like this woman is just going on and on to me about how if you get an abortion, then all your serotonin has gone and you can't be happy anymore and you get depressed what? and it's just, Medically proven bullshit. Yeah, one thing people have to understand when they're reading stories where there should be a both side thing like that is oftentimes the other side is left out because they're only saying <laughs> they're things. things. They're but even if they're harmful or not, they're only saying things that it's just like you have to hire somebody to go find out if what they said is true, <laughs> and it's just like no way, bullshit artist. Come on. But it does seem like they've hit a wall now again in terms of like, so a year ago, even more than a year ago, they passed this ordinance where they had to be 150 feet away from any facility. And then Love Life just bought the next door property so they didn't have to be in the street anymore. And they literally built a stage and hold concerts out there Jesus and have Christ. speakers. Genius, honestly. It is genius because, you know, they, 
evil genius. <laughs> yeah. Har- harassment specialists. <laughs> and these are just folks who, you know, they go out there and they do a really good job of like this specific organization. There is an any number, if not, anywhere from 20 to 50 or so, real harasser harassers who are Every out there day. who are screaming just real bad shit. Every the, day. The, like it's literally their job. Right. The, the Flip Benham's of the world and the Daniel Parks of the world. And then the Love Life comes through and they just sort of, they pick uh, and recruit from different churches around the con- uh, around the uh, area, elevation included. Just had to drop that in there. And these <laughs> people just come in. and they silently march. Some of them do get going with the uh, protesters, but a lot, most of them, for the vast majority, will not speak to counter protesters or media. But they will sing songs and they will sing them loud, and they will make a huge, make plenty of noise, plenty more noise than when I first started covering them, like fucking ten years ago, when they just had an acoustic guitar. It gets loud out there. It gets very loud. And now there's counter protesters who have sort of shrugged off the old way of doing things and get loud back and it's just a big mess but i don't really have any like <laughs> no well, that's the thing is there's no update there's no yeah, news yeah it's exactly the same thing the news is that there's nothing happening when just a year ago a lot of city council members and stuff were talking as if you know we were going to solve this problem well because everybody's within the rules there are no right. there are no new rules right and what rules could you make to get it to stop i don't know why they're issuing they issue them parade permits and it's like you're in front of a medical facility. I don't know. It seems like, like there's ways to like stop Like literally that. holding up signs that are meant to confuse people who are coming, like clients right. from this medical facility, you know, and who are meant to disorient, like disorient but that, them. But that falls under freedom of speech. Mm. The signs, so like, sure. So it's like where, what rule can be fixed or changed to make it to where there are definitely can't be within the Yeah, within there are the definitely rules. permitting rules, but like as Kala was talking about in the article this week is that they don't enforce the ones that are. They put speakers with 100 feet as opposed to 150 and they came and had a survey or prove it and then the people oh. just stole oh. the surveyor's yeah. tools. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Like, yeah. Genius. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to take this. It's like, it's always funny when he swallows the contract. So it's no longer good. I'm yeah. just going to take this. Well, it is just like status quo right now too, on a state level too. Like, I don't know if y'all saw the news about the budget today, but the house of representatives passed it for North Carolina and they like ended up agreeing on some $15 million going to these fake abortion clinics, essentially. Like these clinics mm-hmm. that are set up as like women's health center or like baby health centers and disguised as abortion clinics. But when you actually go in, they try to get you to go for adoption or right, they say yeah. like, we're going to support you. We're going to mm-hmm. give you these resources and then fail to do so. Mm-hmm. $15 million. But like, they can't give Huntersville their money to, <laughs> to research their cancer clusters yeah myeloma and then that mecklenburg county court uh commissioners meeting that cost 17 million dollars <laughs> yeah. the town hall last the or one, wednesday night the one town hall oh my god <laughs> i don't yeah. know where that person got that idea <laughs> from from distrust in government which is a collaborative thing we collectively distrust the government well, now they're distrusting us, man. I was on a panel today. There's a large part of the conversation. People You've been distru- distrusted? Just media. You got distrusted? But that more has to do with national it media. It happened to you. It happened this to happened me. today? Shit. I got distrusted today. <laughs> well, cool, man. Wait, uh, we're not done. Okay, what do you got to talk Let's about? Let's keep talking about these fucking abortion <laughs> clinics. I was what looking up do? like more stats today for the newsletter, and it's like 50, some, I think 53% of North Carolina women live in counties that don't have abortion clinics, and that just kind of mm. rocked my world. Yeah. Because I remember like I had a friend actually who was doing this sort of like trans slash cis woman alliance out in the mountains where they would literally just give rides to people who needed abortions like hours on end to like Raleigh, Durham, Charlotte, to make sure that they had access to that health care. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> giving taking, them rides back. Cal mm-hmm. taking them patients from Texas and Mississippi. Or no, I don't know about Mississippi because has a rule been actually implemented yet? By, from Texas in her clinics, which are both in Georgia and North Carolina. Are those laws in but Texas still a thing? Or yeah. were they federally yep. overturned? No, the no. Supreme Court is now going to rule on them. They didn't. They said they wouldn't at first. Now they are going to. Are we feeling but optimistic? I don't. I, 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 it's hard for me to read. Um, is that lady who didn't, just know, in general. Who didn't know the, the Bill of Rights, is she still in there? Or everything that you get with the First Amendment? Remember who she's still a Supreme <laughs> Court justice. <laughs> um, oh, she geez. couldn't name all of the freedoms that you get oh, in the First was Amendment. This the new one? 
Yeah. Uh, she's got to hit the A-push flashcards again. I can't remember her name. We need to put more focus on the fact that she's <laughs> there. <laughs> no, I didn't. I was I literally listened to podcasts about this specific issue. And uh, they were, oh, God. Well, I don't know. So what are they doing that next week? This week? I don't know tomorrow. when the ruling comes down. There's really no telling. I feel like it. And is just, it to overturn? They've already done the arguments on it. What's going on with Rittenhouse? Is the is the jury still oh deliberating? God. I haven't been looking at that honestly. Every time yeah, I see it, I just so want predictable. I just watched gonna... the crying part like a million times. This is like the kid has just never cried in his entire life. No, <laughs> he, he didn't so know how to literally. Do it. He didn't know how it's to like do his it. face was melting. He was trying so hard to push out the tears that it was just becoming completely bloodshot. His skin yeah. all over. I remember the night that happened. I was out in Norway because um, by that time I had kind of gotten stuck there due to COVID and so on and me and my boyfriend Christopher who you met outside Ryan Mm -hmm. like we had been kind of debating back and forth for a while like whether I should go back to the US because shit was popping off and the night that happened where we heard that this kid literally went into a protest and picked off people one by one like with no recompense like we were like we got to get our passports in order. Like we got to make sure I stay out of the States until at least after election day. It was really scary. Yeah. It was a good time. You missed out on a lot. Oh, <laughs> it was, I was should have been here. It was great. I've been That's assured. Funny. Yeah. No shoot. I just remember like my mom calling me and if you've ever met Linda, she's like totally middle of the road, Hillary Clinton feminist. Like she's wonderful, but that is her political alignment. And she was calling me being like, hey, how do we like, you know, get out of the United States if shit really pops off, you know? <laughs> God, it was such a crazy time. Every time I look at how that trial is going, it's just, it's it's exactly what is to be expected. And it's terrible. So I don't know when the ruling is expected to come down, but the arguments happen November 1st. And I'm remembering now, skimming this article, that, you know, some of the conservative judges were super skeptical and grilling some of these attorneys defending that law. So it could be a reason for optimism, but I, Amy Coney Barrett. That's her ah, name. Oh. Both her and Brett Kavanaugh were very just in their line of questioning, which they're supposed to be if they're doing their jobs, regardless of how they rule. But it just seems like uh could be room for optimism. I don't know. If Modern Moxie would just put her in a song, <laughs> then I could remember it. Because <laughs> yes. I know that she hates Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, the new I, song says fuck Trump, I think, or that, I blame oh, you, Trump, or something. Trust me, I'm never going to forget his name. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> I guess you're right on that one. All right. And we're done on this episode of News Hounds <laughs> by Queen City Nerd. Thank you for joining us both on the podcast and as a company, Nikolai. It's been real. Of course. It's been so real. Thank um, you for having me. I'm sure we'll have you on again. If, if we do have a fourth guest, we won't just keep bringing you on and making you tell your life story over and over. <laughs> but uh, What do you want to know? I can't wait to see what kind of more thing. What? More you report more. on as we go into 2022, but tonight has You're ended. supposed to know. Not You're telling me what I need to report on. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. your job. <laughs> I don't want it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we will see you guys next time. And uh, thank you. Cheers. Bye, y'all.